Hey, everybody. Welcome to the BSN Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good! What the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low. Hornung. Dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10. Here's Van Pelt. He's at the 5. Touchdown, Colorado State. What's up, guys? We're back with another edition of the BSN Rams podcast. I am your host, Justin Michael. It is Wednesday, August 21st, and I am ready to talk a little CSU Rams action with you. We are just over a week away from the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Uh, The 2019 season obviously kicking off against CU down in Denver on August 30th. Tomorrow on Thursday, August 22nd, or I guess it might be today, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, on Thursday, August 22nd, we are going to have an opportunity to speak with Mike Bobo and quarterback Colin Hill down in Denver at the Blake Street Tavern for a media event. I believe Troy Calhoun of Air Force will be there, Uh, Mel Tucker and LaVisca Chenault from CU, as well as some representatives from northern Colorado, not exactly sure who the Bears are sending, but it will be a great opportunity just for some of the local media to ask about the Rocky Mountain Showdown, maybe talk to Calhoun or some of these other guys about, you know, other football-related questions, specifically, you know, just the Mountain West or, you know, just what's going on in the state of Colorado. So it should be a pretty fun opportunity down at the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, I'm I'm ready for camp to be over at this point just so that we can get into the flow of the regular season and have a more solidified schedule, but that's more for selfish reasons if we're being completely honest. Uh, we got a fun show today. We're going to kick things off as we tend to do with what's happening in Agland. going to talk about the latest in Ram country. Later, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Broncos and how they have messed up by not you know, selecting some of these wide receivers coming out of CSU. CSU, commonly referred to as wide receiver U on social media. Uh, the Rams have had a ton of success with developing wide receivers over the last couple of years. Uh, I don't I don't think that's any secret at this point. Under Alvis Witted, wide receiver definitely became the identity of CSU's offense. That'll likely continue moving forward under Joe Cox, but... The, uh, the hometown Broncos missing out on multiple chances to land solid players. And I think the numbers that I'll lay out for you will really exemplify 
how Denver messed up by not taking some of these guys. I'm looking forward to it. But before we break into that, we actually have some some pretty big news at the CSU campus today. Uh, the athletic department announced that CSU has initiated the process for a $6.3 to $6.5 million new women's athletic facility. This athletic facility will be for the softball and soccer programs, and it will be located on the west end of campus over by Moby Arena. It's where the soccer team currently plays. Uh, They've had to move three different times in seven years, which is kind of something that Joe Parker addressed in the release today, just that it was time for them to to finally get a permanent facility and I you know I couldn't agree more if you're going to invest in a program like soccer you might as well go go all in same goes for softball which just you know just 2 years ago CSU softball players had to do a sit-in in the dugout to protest the lack of facilities you know they're one of the only D1 teams in the country that didn't have lights that's freaking pathetic man it's there's really no other way to describe it I don't I don't want to harp on CSU too much, but it's the truth because most little league fields have lights. Like the fact that a D one program doesn't have lights for their team is sad. It's really sad. And I'm so I'm, I'm excited to see CSU moving in the right direction. The biggest question of course is going to be, you know, like where does this, you know, six to six and a half, seven million dollars going to come from. CSU's currently approved a $300,000 budget to pursue design options and program plans. Those funds will come through an extension of a student fee, which is going to amount to $5.07 per student per semester. That's not a new fee. We It's something that students have been paying for a while. It was actually set to expire after last year when CSU paid off a previous bond to complete construction on Moby Arena, but they just went ahead and extended it to help pay for this budget to get, you know, the design options and the, the whole plan together. Uh, sounds like they're, they're still trying to figure out the logistics of the details. It's definitely going to be something that isn't going to be easy for CSU necessarily. As Keegan Pope pointed out to me on Twitter, you know, CSU's already using like $25 million from the general university to keep the athletic department afloat as is. How, you know, how do you add on top of that? I guess we're just going to have to see maybe some private donors get involved, but it's good to see CSU investing in soccer and softball. Both of those programs are, are coming off of pretty good years. Soccer in the seven years it's been on campus has has not been really successful, to be honest. Six, nine, and four was their most successful season. That actually came last year. The Rams, they were a really good defensive team last year, CSU soccer, that is, but they just they couldn't score. They couldn't they couldn't find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> That's obviously pretty problematic, but I, I'm interested to see where this program goes. I think soccer is something that CSU should be able to do pretty well. The one thing that CSU has working against it is even though Colorado is a hotbed for women's soccer talent, I mean, Mallory Pugh, Lindsey Horan, two players from the U.S. women's national team, gold uh, World Cup winners, both from the state of Colorado, shout out to them for representing. You know, you would think that CSU should be able 
to recruit this state well, especially with all of the club programs and how prominent women's soccer is at the youth and high school level in the state of Colorado. I think the biggest thing working against CSU has always been lack of facilities. CU has significantly better facilities uh, when it comes to soccer at the moment. And they also, you know, have the benefit of getting to tell players that they'll get to travel around the Pac-12 and go to some pretty some pretty cool schools that really put a big emphasis on soccer. And so, you know, Boulder's always going to have that advantage when it comes to being in the Pac-12 and, and the allure that comes with being in a Power 5 conference. But this new facility should help bridge the gap a little bit. Softball coming off a phenomenal season. The Rams under head coach Jen Fisher went 39-12 and 12 last season. Uh, really just a phenomenal year. At one point, CSU won... 12 consecutive games they made it all the way to the NCAA tournament where they were eventually eliminated by number 24 Auburn over the last couple years we've seen softball really take great strides you know the same arguments could be for soccer could be used for them now with improved facilities it should just help everything around the program help recruiting help the way you can develop players it's just something that's that's necessary if you're going to be involved in these sports and I think it's something that is really gonna help raise the just the standard of CSU athletics as a whole the football stadium is gorgeous it was a great addition to campus now they are working on improving the rest the the women's sports they need improved facilities the track team recently finally got their track field completed last year I feel like they worked on that for like five years. It was something that kept getting delayed and delayed, but the track program got a new facility. They've made some upgrades to Moby Arena. Uh, there are, you know, pretty, I think Moby Arena definitely could use some more upgrades, but that's a conversation for another day. Listen to what CSU's athletic director, Joe Parker, had to say in the release. Soccer is starting its seventh season, and they've played at three different locations without any permanent facility. We knew two seasons ago when they landed inside the fence line that once had been the football practice fields that that was our first step at permanence for them. Softball has played at a facility that has not received much modification in 25 years. It was time. You try to cross priorities off the list and we're finally at the point in time where we're able to focus a lot of resources and planning in place to make sure that these two sports get what I would deem best of class facilities. So definitely an exciting time in Fort Collins, an exciting time for the softball and soccer programs, both coming off of successful seasons. Now both programs have something to look forward to moving forward, and they have something to sell to their recruits. I'll definitely be curious to see what this does for the success of both of these programs You know, over the next decade or so. It's going to take some time to get all of this completed. You know, This isn't something that's going to be done before this year, obviously, so... It'll be a little while until this facility ends up coming to life. They don't even have all of the financing figured out at this point, but excited to see. And I am, I'm excited, man. If you're a, if you're a CSU fan right now, I think you should be feeling proud. You should be proud to be, as we all like to say. And, you know, it's always a great time to be proud to be a Ram. We are going to take a quick break, but as I said before, when I get back, we're going to talk next level rams talk about the wide receivers that have come through csu and explain why the denver broncos missed out by not taking some of these guys all right we'll be right back it's time to take a second and acknowledge breckenridge brewery 
the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you that have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it, and you'll be able to see all of the events we have planned where we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Welcome back to the BSN Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. No longer do you have to subject your body to nasty gluten to be able to enjoy some delicious pastries. If you're looking for a for a great way to start your morning with an English muffin, a bagel, whatever it may be, a muffin, Canyon Bakehouse has got you covered. Visit canyonglutenfree.com for a coupon. All right, let's let's jump right into things here and talk a little bit about the wide receivers. Um, I received a tweet today pointing this out. Uh, so shout out to Matt for pointing this out to me. Um, I I tweeted earlier that the Broncos missed out by not taking Ola B.C. Johnson last year, and you know this is something that's kind of been a theme over the last couple of years. The Broncos have had a chance to add to their receiving depth with some local guys, and they've they've not taken those opportunities. Since 2016, which is when Rashard Higgins was drafted by the Cleveland Browns, um, the Denver Broncos, they've taken two, four, four wide receivers, or five, excuse me, they've taken five wide receivers in the NFL draft since 2016, um, let's let's just go over who those guys are and and what they've what they ended up accomplishing with the Broncos during their time. In 2016, the Broncos did not select a wide receiver. Rashard Higgins was drafted number 172 overall by the Cleveland Browns that year. Disappointing to see Hollywood Higgins end up in Cleveland at the time, but now it looks like it's actually going to work out pretty well. Rashard Higgins has great chemistry with Baker Mayfield, something we've talked about multiple times, and it seems like he's kind of solidified himself into that number three role. So Rashard Higgins, first missed opportunity for the Denver Broncos. In 2017, the Broncos selected Carlos Henderson at number 83 overall out of Louisiana Tech. Carlos Henderson was supposed to be a dynamic a speedy guy for the Broncos, never ended up making the active roster for a game, never even suited up for the Denver Broncos. So big wasted opportunity in 2017 with Carlos Henderson. That same year, the Broncos selected Isaiah McKenzie at number 172. He was out of the University of Georgia. McKenzie ended up playing 12 games for the Broncos over the course of two seasons. He had 23 punt returns for an average of 8.5 yards per return. Ball security issues resulted in his time in Denver not lasting very long. Um, Yeah, McKenzie probably going to get some more chances in the league. I believe he was with the Giants. I may be wrong about that. Uh, If I am, I apologize. But so 2017, not a good year 
for Broncos wide receivers. Carlos Henderson and Isaiah McKenzie combined for 12 games, zero total catches. In 2018, the Broncos took Cortland Sutton in the second round, number 40 overall out of SMU. Sutton, uh, I can't really blame the Broncos for for taking Sutton, if we're being honest. This was this one is somewhat debatable because Michael Gallup was still on the board. He went number 81 overall, so 41 picks later to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Sutton and Gallup are... It's really... They're they're kind of hard to compare. It's it's really apples and oranges if we're if we're being completely honest. Sutton has a much bigger frame, uh, deep threat, a guy you're gonna throw the ball up to, let him try and beat the DB on the jump ball. They're trying to make him a more complete receiver this year. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I I think there's an argument to be made that you you should have taken Gallup instead of Sutton. I'm I'm not sure Gallup would have necessarily been able to make some of the the highlight catches that Sutton made last year in terms of going up and getting those jump balls that he was able to get. But Gallup is just a much more complete wide receiver. He can run a complete round tree, has solid hands. Uh, We're seeing him really make strides in his second year in Dallas, especially with Amari Cooper battling injuries. Uh, In 2018, the Broncos also selected Deshaun Hamilton at number 113 overall. Hamilton out of Penn State. Last year, he played in 14 games, recorded 30 total receptions, 243 yards, and two touchdowns. Pretty quiet season for Hamilton overall. They didn't really figure out a way to get him involved in the offense. This is going to be a big year for him, assuming that he makes the team. I'm not even sure he will make the team, if we're being completely honest. He's been you know, kind of invisible out there, and what I've seen, I haven't really heard a whole lot about him in Broncos training camp. So it just kind of seems like Deshaun Hamilton, another one of those guys that's fading into the mix. So if you're, if you're doing the math so far, the Broncos since 2016, four drafted wide receivers, those wide receivers, Carlos Henderson, Isaiah McKenzie, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Sutton and Hamilton scored a couple touchdowns. But other than that, you know, you have basically three years worth of Draft class, four total wide receivers for six total touchdowns. That's that's not great. That, I mean, it doesn't take a statistician or a rocket scientist to figure out that those numbers, they aren't very impressive. Last year, the Broncos took Jawan Winfrey at number 187 overall. They took him out of the University of Colorado, actually traded up to draft Jawan Winfrey. Winfrey has shown some flashes in preseason. He's actually a guy who I think can play a little bit. I know this is a a CSU podcast, and that's not necessarily what people want to hear. Uh, he did make a really nice 15-yard touchdown catch in the Hall of Fame game against Atlanta, had two catches for 24 yards against San Francisco. Uh, but, you know, he just he's kind of disappeared at times. He He's a guy who I think has talent, and I understand why the Broncos wanted to get him. But, you know, it's the same argument. B.C. Johnson went number 247 overall last year. So, you know, 70 picks later, you could have got, or excuse me, I suck at math, about 60 picks later. Um, you could have got him, you could have got BC instead of Winfrey. Preston Williams obviously didn't even get drafted. Could have got him as well. Both BC and Preston have been absolutely tearing it up in training camp. And and the big thing, I, I think... When you say when you if you're gonna criticize the Broncos for not 
taking these guys. You have to look at the whole picture and you have to, you have to be fair about it. And so if you want to say Preston had some, some off field questions that you were concerned about and he didn't necessarily perform to his best standards at his pro day. So maybe, maybe you, you were just too nervous to take a guy like him, but BC man, BC is the definition of consistency. BC Johnson has been getting praised by the coaching staff since he was like a freaking true freshman. They nicknamed him the standard for God's sakes. He's a dude who he's just the definition of an, of what you would want a glue guy to be, you know, in the NFL. He, he can play in the slot. He runs well. He has sure hands. He can run a full route tree. He's willing to play special teams, can tackle great return, man, extremely solid as a punt returner. Great. No ball security issues. Isn't scared to take a hit. Um, maybe honestly a little, a little too brave at times. There were some, some moments last year where BC took some brutal shots because he decided to hang in there trying to make a play. Uh, it was a rough season last year, so I think it was just an instance of him maybe trying to do a little too much. But, but BC Johnson, man, he's he's been showing up for Minnesota so much so that he's actually earning first team reps with the Vikings. I mean. As good as Winfrey has looked in those flashes, he's not earning first-team reps with the Broncos. And more importantly, BC could have helped with so many of the special teams issues that the Broncos have had. He can play as a gunner. He's a guy who will, as I said, is as solid as a punt returner. Right now, I can confidently say if BC Johnson was on the roster, he would be Denver's best kick returner and best punt returner. You can use him on special teams as a gunner. You can use him as you know as your fourth fifth wide receiver i just i just don't get how john elway has missed on so many of these dudes especially given that the broncos have needed to improve their receiver depth over the year you've seen them move on from guys like demarius thomas and and you got emmanuel sanders at 31 coming off an achilles injury how do you not take a chance on some of these young guys that have balled out guys like michael gallup bc johnson preston williams guys that are certified pros and and would have sold tickets i mean everyone loves a hometown story look how popular shaq barrett was when he was with the broncos if 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 my argument isn't enough for you uh listen to what courtney cronin of espn had to say about bc johnson Johnson has emerged during training camp as a bright spot on offense. As it stands, the seventh rounder is somewhere between the number four and number five receiver and is furthering his consideration for a spot on the 53 man with work on special teams. He's a guy that can play multiple spots, and I think the more he has done that, the more he's been able to get involved in the offense, head coach Mike Zimmer said. Literally the argument I just made. He's BC's going to make the roster because of his versatility. He's the kind of guy that every year gets overlooked because he's not 6'5 or he doesn't run a 4'3, but he's just a solid football player. He can run, you know, he's got 4'4 four, four speed, 4'4, four, 4'5. Four, four, I think he ran a 4'5 at the combine. Four, he can run a 4'4. Four, four. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. BC is plenty fast, but he has great hands and he's a phenomenal teammate. I just. I just feel like the Broncos could have benefited from having a glue guy like BC on the team this year. And given how, you know, how pathetic special teams has been in the first two preseason games for Denver, I think most fans would agree. Anyways, I just, I wanted to drive home that point that the Broncos have missed out. I think 
a lot of people of especially CU fans whisper whisper have dismissed CSU and their wide receivers but they're legit there's no arguing it the numbers don't lie and you know Broncos maybe maybe spend a little bit more time in Fort Collins when you're looking for offensive talent we're gonna take a quick break real quick but when we come back we're gonna wrap up the show Rams football is back the wait is over It's time for fall camp, and we're giving you the best deal we've run since we went to a free t-shirt format with subscriptions. But it won't last long. Here's the deal. If you use the code GORAMS, you will get our annual package for $34.99, which not only is a $10 discount off our current annual package, but it comes out to $2.91 per month, which is almost 50% off our current standard monthly price. But it's not just about the discount. You're also going to get a free premium Rams t-shirt, which is a $27 value. You get to have your comments read on this podcast. You get all of our exclusive content at bsndenver.com. If you don't like reading, but you want the inside details, subscribers get all of our Broncos written stories in audio form, meaning we read all of our written content to you. And then, of course, there's our film reviews, game grades, and just being part of the BSN Rams community. So go to bsndenver.com or download the app and use the promo GORAMS, all one word, to join the family today. Well, folks, the wait is finally over. This weekend, we will have real college football games. I repeat, we will have real college football games this weekend, and I could not be more excited. We only are going to have two games on August 24th uh, with Florida versus Miami and Arizona at Hawaii, but two, two relatively entertaining games for zero week. You get... In-state rivalry game, Florida-Miami, always entertaining. Some some drama down in, in Miami just with everything that they've had to go through in the offseason, losing Mark Richt, uh, bringing back Manny Diaz, then all the crap that they're going with, through with Tate Martell at quarterback and him like not showing up after not being named the starter. So just a lot of question marks about this Miami team. I'll be curious to see you know how they handle it the canes i feel like they were a team that kind of got overhyped early last year they beat some bad teams and then we all jumped the gun miami's one of those teams where they beat you know they win two or three games in a row and then all of a sudden the entire country is jumping on the canes bandwagon and and wanting the hurricanes to be back and i get it they're one of the the perennial exciting college football programs but i just think it's funny with schools like you know, Miami, Texas, uh, Nebraska comes to mind. USC comes to mind. These are just schools that it doesn't matter who they beat as long as they win one or two games in a row. They're officially back. It'll Michigan beats Appalachian State, and then this. They are back. Florida wins a couple of games. They are back. Let's all just chill a little bit and see how the season plays out uh, as far as Arizona and Hawaii goes, I think that's deceptively a more interesting game. Two really athletic, entertaining quarterbacks, Arizona and Khalil Tate. Hawaii, Cole McDonald, he went off against CSU last year in Fort Collins. Um, Him versus KJ Carter-Samuels was one of the more entertaining slash meaningless moments of the 2018 season. I was actually recently talking with Kevin Lytle about that CSU Hawaii game and KJ Carter Samuels. Kevin brought up a great point about how 
KJ's single game record for total yardage in a game might actually be like the emptiest record of all time because so much he threw for like 300 yards in the in the fourth quarter and second half of third quarter maybe even 400 it was it was ridiculous his second half was absolutely insane but if we are going out on a limb here with official predictions I'm gonna have to go with Florida over Miami as well as the University of you know what? I'm picking Hawaii to upset Arizona. It's it's in the island, and I'm I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt in zero week. They got a veteran quarterback. I don't really know a whole lot about this Hawaii team at this point. I know they have to replace quite a few guys. They lost a couple of their leading receivers, but I'll give them. The, I'll I'll roll with Cole for this for this one matchup. If they get rolled by Arizona, uh, you can make fun of me. <laughs> That's fine. It's part of the fun. But uh, tweet at BSN Rams who you're taking this weekend with Florida versus Miami, Arizona versus Hawaii. Maybe uh, predict the scores or something. Maybe we can come up with some some type of contest. But I am thrilled for college football to be back. So stoked for the Rocky Mountain Showdown next week. Keep up with BSN Rams for it all. As I said, I will be at the Blake Street Tavern on August 22nd. There I will be talking to Mike Bobo, Colin Hill, going to try and get some perspective from the enemy. Talk to Mel Tucker and LaVisca Chenault, as well as Troy Calhoun. Uh, really looking forward to it. Hoping to also record a podcast or two with some of the some of the other media down there. So it should be a good time. You're going to want to keep up with us for all of it. But uh, yeah, let's let's wrap things up here. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. Thanks for listening. <laughs>